Mississippi, Rooster Production presents Under the Water Tower, sponsored by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. And now, here are your hosts, Derek Biglane and Matt Crane. Morning, Matt. Um, good morning, Matt. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm staring at Michael Myers staring across uh, the table from me. Uh, Matt Crane dressed as Michael Myers. I uh, hope that he does intend on participating with us today and not actually trying to kill me. I was trying to stay in character. Okay, Michael Myers does not talk. I apologize. I understand Michael Myers never says anything. He just straight murders people, but it's going to be a little hard doing a, a podcast, a, a joint podcast by myself. So... I do appreciate you taking off the mask. Yeah, I, I, no, no problem. I, I decided to take the mask off and participate. Podcast listeners, I'm actually sitting across the table here from Alexander Hamilton in full garb, white wig, blue, whatever that is. What, 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 what's that called, Derek? The jacket? Yeah. Okay, blue jacket, white blue jacket. W- yeah, white wig, blue jacket, brown pants. I mean, this guy is totally dressed up as if he's about to uh, t- to go out there for a duel or whatever. So the, so while I'm Michael Myers, literally picture it, podcast listeners, I'm sitting across from Alexander Hamilton completely dressed up in full garb while he's staring at me in full Michael Myers uh Michael Myers guard. Yeah, obviously centuries apart. Yeah, just having a little fun today. Uh, this is going to be our the UTW podcast Halloween episode. So looking forward to a, a great show today. I tell you something, Matt. Something that can be scary is trying to find that house. That's exactly right, Derek. And if you're having issues with residential real estate in DeSoto County, UTW Podcast is sponsored by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. Team Couch has been in business for over 13 years. Team Couch has been the number one team for residential real estate in DeSoto County for over a decade. They possess over 55 years combined with their entire team of residential real estate experience. Look up Team Couch of Birch Realty Group at 662-449-1700. That's 662-449-1700 for all your buying and selling of residential real estate in DeSoto County needs. Brian and Terry, thank you so much for believing in the UTW podcast. Under the Water Tower podcast is recorded each and every Tuesday and Friday from the mobile car and van rental studios at the corner of McCracken and Commerce Street in Hernando. If you're in need of a van for a family trip or any type of trip for your church or business, mobile can help. If you're in need of a rental car for an insurance claim or a body shop need, or even your car is broken down for for several days, several weeks, mobile car and van rental can help right here in Hernando. So please reach out to us at 662-469-4555. That's 662-469-4555. Derek, happy Halloween to you. Happy Halloween. Looking forward to a great weekend. Looking forward to going out to trick-or-treat. I hope I think several of the neighborhoods will be wide open tomorrow night, uh, Saturday know, night. There, and, uh, there's there's one neighborhood that, I, that we won't mention which neighborhood that is. They've they've put a time limit on trick or treating. They've said time limit. Yeah, it's they, it's four to eight. Four to eight. Four to eight. They put a four to eight. So they went early. Four, they went early. Bird. Early. Four is a little bit early. Um, I mean, I guess you know. I mean, like even with young kids, that's early. I mean, that's, well, I mean, I think that's for like the elderly crowd. You know, kind of like the, the okay. The, yeah, it is a Saturday, so technically you're not rushing home from school. Right. So, okay. So that the, the elderly crowd who likes to trick or treat, older people. Can go out, I guess. <laughs> uh, eight, 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 oh, I mean, so you, so eight oh one just lights out. I guess I think t- lights out. But I've 
already decided I will be taking my, my five-year-old, taking my daughter to that neighborhood and knocking on all the doors of people I know after eight o'clock, after eight <laughs> o'clock. And that's if they have their lights on or they don't have their lights on. We will, if you listen, to, if you're listening to my, to my voice here uh, on the podcast, look for us in that particular neighborhood that limited it from four to eight. Uh, we'll be showing up. Evelyn Crane will be knocking on your door as a flamingo after flamingo. eight o'clock. Yes. After eight o'clock this coming Saturday night, which again, Derek, I think this is the first, it's a uh, Saturday, Halloween night, mm-hmm. which is awesome. And then first full moon. No, first blue moon. Blue moon. It's, it's like 55 since the 50s. Oh, okay. So it's a uh, blue moon, of course, uh, is the second full moon in the month. Okay. Blue moon is the second full moon. Okay. Okay. Because, gotcha. you know, the moon's, moon's a 28-day cycle. So we had one like October 3rd, and now it's come up again on the 31st. It's the second full moon in a month is called the blue uh, called a blue moon and that's what we have on gotcha. tomorrow night so and look anybody that's gonna that's gonna dress up as alexander hamilton to do a podcast has to like halloween i yes. know you like halloween however i'm a little bit concerned though because you enjoy halloween you like being there when people come to your house to knock mm-hmm. on the door uh you started sending your kids around our neighborhood at about the age of six because you by themselves because you you loved uh, it was pretty early i mean they was been, pretty early maybe i was six i was gonna say they've been going on they, i mean seriously you just shove them out the door and you say hey it's uh, old, look it's old school I, my parents be back by eight o'clock. That's my what parents. <laughs> I don't remember. It was so long. I don't even remember my parents ever going with me. That's how young I was. Wow. They were like, "All right, kids, we'll be here making the jambalaya. We may have a cocktail or two. By the time you come back, we'll be happy to see you." And so I guess I just had the just same good thing. luck. Just yeah. Did you get all the same the same uh, stories? The razor blades and oh candy. razor blades. Oh my god! <laughs> Give me your basket. Let me open right. it up. I never, I never saw a razor blade. Of course, candy. I had. You know, we we would receive homemade brownies and candy apples. So there was some legit. You know, there was not like everything was wrapped. Right. We got rolls of pennies. I mean, just some strange stuff we've got in the past. That's amazing. Um, speaking of speaking of brownies, we will be talking about the sample ballot uh, coming up later on in the show. We will be, we'll be talking about uh, Initiative sixty five. So <laughs> but we'll, we'll we'll be looking at that in uh, in, 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 in due time we plan on doing the fire pit out in the driveway trying to keep it you know people from actually coming i guess into the door close to the door but uh lakes of cedar grove wide open for trick-or-treating even past 8 a.m if you want to 8 p.m excuse me if you want to oh uh, no oh no halloween stops at eight o'clock well halloween's it, over you know we'll wait when there's, a, when there's about a five to ten minute gap between trick-or-treaters yeah probably shut it down then but until that point you know please come and again everybody be safe be you know be smart and uh just have a great time it should be a beautiful cool night and I'm really looking forward to it. Well, after 8 o'clock, you start getting the teenagers. There, there's been several times in, in the last couple of years that my high school-aged daughter uh, recognized kids knocking on our door past 8 o'clock trick-or-treating. Uh, I remember one time, she I think she actually asked the girl if, if she had done her homework for the day. That's how old this girl was coming to the door. So when they start bringing around pillowcases well, and well, it's stuff. Pillowcases like and they're just dressed oh, yeah, in their exactly. you know clothes they came from school, whatever. And it's yeah. like, trick-or-treat. Exactly. Like, man, okay. I, that, yeah, that, that's enough. Hernando, have a great time uh, trick-or-treating and, and, and Halloween. Uh, again, Derek and I really enjoy it. Uh, I mean, you have to enjoy Halloween if, again, you're going to sit here in an Alexander Hamilton costume and a Michael Myers mask, you know, staring, staring at one another. So we're you could say we have fun lives or you could say we have no lives. That's that's totally totally yeah, okay. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Um today on the podcast we have a special guest on the Under the Water Tower podcast, Judge Percy Lynchard, who is currently the judge over the Mississippi Third Chantry Court District, where he's presided since nineteen ninety five. He's currently running for District Three, seat three on the Mississippi Supreme Court. He was uh, gracious enough to come in yesterday on Thursday and uh, do an interview with us. And so we you know, we've had his opponent on here last month. We I mean, was really looking forward to uh, the election. And uh, we'll go to that interview now. Welcome to the podcast, Judge Lynchard. Thank you very much, and I certainly appreciate the opportunity to 
come in and talk with you this morning. Several of our listeners may not know you, but may know you, but for those who don't, tell us a little bit about where you grew up and received your education. All right, first of all, I grew up in the Mississippi Delta. I lived there until I completed my degree at Delta State University in social science, a BSAE degree. And then I went to directly to Ole Miss, and I really haven't been back to the Delta since that point in time. Been here in Hernando since February of 1982. That's uh, almost put 40 years. So that's a great time. And so you've seen this city come from basically, what, just a couple thousand people to where it is today? I think the population in 82 was closer to 1,500 people. Wow. It was very small, big, big difference than what it is now. I, I guess I should have mentioned that I went to Ole Miss Law School, graduated there with a Juris Doctorate, and then began practicing up here shortly thereafter. Okay, so you practiced in DeSoto County after that? Yeah, for 14 years. And so you practiced for 14 years, and then what kind of man was the law that you did during that time? John Grisham refers to my type of practice in one of his books as ham and egg lawyers, which means that you just basically take whatever comes in the door. If it's a divorce, if it's a real estate transaction, if it's a drafting a wheel, a wheel contest, kind of a general practitioner of lawyers, I guess. Were you by yourself or were you part of a firm? I started out practicing with Bill Ballard. He and I practiced for about five years, and then I went out on my own and stayed out on my own until I was elected to the bench and had to close my office then, of course. The the current position you had, I think, from what I've read, that you've been there since 1995. How did you become interested in that position? You know, that's kind of funny. I was asked that question once, and I couldn't, I, I can tell you unequivocally, when I was in law school, I never dreamed that I would have the honor of sitting behind the bench. That was just something that uh, we as law students and we as, as practicing lawyers really never thought about. That was for somebody else, I guess. Very, very select few, obviously. Laney Funderburk was mayor of Hernando in 1983, and he approached me when there was a vacancy for the city judge position. And he appointed me and the board confirmed me. So I got to serve as city judge in Hernando for 10 years, and that kind of laid the ground rule, or rather the base, I guess I should say, for a judicial career after that. I think I was looked upon a little little different as possibly being judge material. And then when this judgeship was created, they added a third chancellor to the third chancery district. I filed a run, and with God's grace and the lawyers, I didn't didn't have an opponent and never have had as a, as a chancellor. So 25 years in, in that position, and tell the listeners what that, I guess, that district is. How large how large is the district? What kind of type of population do you serve? It's exactly 100 miles from my house to the courthouse in Winona, Mississippi, which is the furthest courthouse. It includes the, the counties, of course, of DeSoto, Tate, Panola, Yalabusha, Grenada, and Montgomery counties. There's six courthouses, and I'm sorry, six counties and eight courthouses. Uh, Yalabusha and Panola have two judicial districts, so you have two different courthouses you have to serve there. Mm. It's a very accessible district because of I-55, but uh, it is a long district. It's a long, and so you have to travel to the different courthouses at, at different times uh, during the year? Yeah, I'm, fortunately I'm the senior chancellor, and I set up the calendar for where myself and the other two judges will be at a certain time, and then cases are filed and assigned on a computer basis randomly. Mm. You never know when you file a case which judge will be assigned to it. What are some of the common cases that you hear uh, as a, a chancery court judge? By far and away, the most common cases, of course, are family law cases. Divorce, custodies, child support, child visitation, grandparent visitation. And then you have will contests, estate matters, and probably the most complex and uh, time-consuming would be municipal annexations. And because of DeSoto mm. County, I've probably heard more municipal annexations than any. I know I've heard more than any chancellor now serving, maybe in the past as well. So on the annexation, so those are the, the ones that you said that you see the most. I guess, give us, uh, and 
not names or anything, but could you give us an example of maybe a, a case that you ruled that maybe was difficult in some aspects that you were able to kind of de help decide? The one that comes to mind is one that I include in a PowerPoint presentation that when, I, when I'm asked to speak at different places, such as Rotary Clubs. That involves a situation where a man and woman divorced, young child, custody was given to mother, father remarries and moves off to Seattle shortly thereafter. Uh, I say shortly thereafter, about 10 years thereafter, she's killed in a car wreck. He's mm. had some contact with the child, but as a practical matter, not much. He has kept his child support current. He's been behind so forth. Hadn't had a whole lot of contact except for cards and letters to the child. Has actually not even seen the child during that period of time. But after she, the mother is killed, he comes to get custody of his child. Stepfather that she has remarried says, no, I'm the only father he's ever this child has ever known. I want custody and have to decide that custody case. Mm. And in Mississippi, unless there is a, unless the natural father or the natural parent is mentally, morally, or otherwise unfit or has abandoned this child, you have to give custody to the natural parent. And this was a close case, but one where the, you couldn't really say that the father had abandoned the child because he paid his support as he's supposed to and had right. some contact. And that child had to go to Seattle with someone that she really didn't know and leave the only home she ever knew. If you follow the law, you can't come up, you can't rule on cases the way you want to. You have to rule on them according to the law. And I right. would dearly love to have said, now this child needs to stay here with, with the stepfather in the home she's always known, but that's not what the law said. So, yeah, that one gave me some problems. Yeah, it sounds like a really tough case. And I, that's why they put people like you in those positions, because that would be very, very tough for me to not to, to do what you just said and kind of go with the gut. <laughs> you try not to take them home. You, you, we never, my wife and I never discuss cases at home. I leave them there, and I guess I've gotten a little calloused, and that's, that's maybe not a, bit, a good thing either. But over the years, you try not to think about them after you're through with them, because they'll drive you nuts if they if they do. Well, but it does make you fair and impartial, and that's, that's, well, that's, that's what true. you needs you to be to, to be a judge. All right, so again, you've been in this position 25 years, and now uh, obviously there's a, a, a seat uh, that is uh, up for election for the Mississippi Supreme Court, seat three. What made you run, uh, what made you, excuse me, want to run for the uh, Supreme Court seat that's uh, currently up for election? I actually ran for this seat 20 years ago. Uh, not this seat, but in this district, of course. 20 years ago and was unsuccessful. Very close, but close only counts in hand grenades and horseshoes, so when it's an election, you either win it or you lose it. I lost it. Uh, so I've always had a passion to serve on the Supreme Court. This particular election, I was approached by a number of people, considered it. Uh, the reason I would like to serve on it is because at the current time, there is only one person out of nine on the Supreme Court who has ever served as a chancellor. And I just believe that chancery law, as I described before, mainly family law, is probably one of the most, let me back up and say, it's probably the most important cases that, that come about. And I'm not trying to uh, ridicule or denounce criminal cases or lawsuits against one against the other. But I think family law touches more lives than any of the others. Most people don't have a criminal conviction that needs to be appealed. Most people don't have a lawsuit that comes up against the other can be appealed. Almost everybody you know has been touched in some way by family law, either a divorce, a property division, a custody case, an estate fight, something along those lines. And I think that court, in order to be balanced and better to serve the state, should have somebody with that type of experience more so than they do now. You're saying that if probably that type of law affects more people uh, and people can more uh, understand or have empathy with the, the type of law that you do, and so you want to see that represented on the court. Absolutely. You mentioned a, a case, a heartbreaking case, that you just talked about earlier, kind of the ones that you've seen. What are some uh, other uh, prior experiences that would make you a, a, good, a good fit, excuse me, for the seat that you, that you seek? Well, I think life experiences better train you for any job. When I went through school, I had to work 
in order to pay my way through school. I've worked as a clerk in a convenience store, uh, a clerk in a men's retail store. I've worked for a power company reading meters. I worked on an offshore oil rig. I worked in an aluminum factory. <laughs> so I got a lot of, quote, life experiences that I think lets you see uh, the other side of the world that maybe some white-collar people do not see. Then I had the good fortune to be elected as county prosecutor here in DeSoto County about 11 years into my practice, and I served as county prosecutor for those three years. I resigned it because I was elected judge with one year remaining on my term. So I've had a lot of life experiences. I've had experience in criminal court. I've had experience in, uh, obviously, chancery court. And then my general practice showed me a little bit of all kinds of law. Now, some of the listeners are maybe educated, others may not. Uh, kind of talk to us about what the District 3, Seat 3, kind of what that encapsulates uh, for Northern Mississippi uh, that you would be representing if elected to this position. If you're familiar with the transportation districts, it's identical. It's 33 counties. If you, if you took Highway 82 at Alabama and went across all the way to the Mississippi River, it would be every county north of 82, with the exception of Bolivar, Sunflower, and Washington, which are cut out of it made part of the second district. It would also include two counties below 82, and that would be Winston and Itala counties. So everything in between Alabama, Arkansas, and Tennessee north of Highway 82 as a general rule. Now, nine judges, I've just said, on the court, uh, three from each district. So there's three districts just like they are for the uh, Mississippi Highway Department. If elected uh, for this seat, uh, so you become one of the three for the, for the northern district, what would you want to see from the court? Uh, from the Mississippi Supreme Court going forward? I'd like to see it, uh, more of an emphasis, uh, obviously, on uh, family law than it is now. Most cases are deflected from the Supreme Court to the Court of Appeals, and that's the uh, Supreme Court's prerogative. And I don't know if that gives me a sense, well, I know it gives me a sense of those cases may not be as important, so let's let the Court of Appeals deal with it. I'd love to see a m- much more emphasis by the Supreme Court on chancery cases. Do you have any kind of, I know we have a, a another judge uh, from this area, do you have a, a close relationship with him and then and any others on the, the current court that you deal with or maybe you've talked with because of, of cases uh, from your court that have gone up to them? I, I know everybody on the Supreme Court right now. You know, we have judicial conferences that include both the trial level and the appellate level, and, and we all meet and socialize together, so I know everybody. Uh, Bobby Chamberlain, Justice Chamberlain, uh, from here is a good friend of mine. Uh, known him for years, practiced law with him. Uh, he actually followed me in uh, municipal court here in Hernanda. He was appointed after I resigned and became county prosecutor. So I prosecuted in front of in front of him as a city judge. <laughs> and quite frankly, he is an excellent justice judge and was an excellent circuit court judge as well the election is of course tuesday we're taping this on thursday it'll be on our podcast on friday and so the election coming up in just in four days should the voters choose you as the judge for district three seat three tell us you know your reason kind of uh, some couple cases you made that why you would be the best fit for that position that's hard to say because my understanding my opponent never tried a case as a judge before he was appointed to the supreme court uh so there have been no trial court cases that i could compare it to i just believe that i have much more experience as a judge you know a lot of people believe that the supreme court is actually another trial and that's not true the supreme court is an appellate court and all it does is review the record the transcript from the lower court and makes the decision whether the lower court correctly applied the law and correctly found the facts and if they find that he didn't then they reverse it if he find if they find that he did then they affirm it unlike a lot of judges a lot of appellate court judges having served as a trial court judge when i read a record when i read a transcript those are not black and white words to me those i know those to be real life living and breathing people and i know what they've gone through during that trial and how they how emotional that's been so that trial script will 
transcript will mean a whole lot more to me than it might to, to most people who have never sat in that position. And for that reason, I think I would be much better qualified. And what are some of the, the final uh, points that you would like to make to voters as you're seeking the election that, you know, again, is happening in the next three or four days? Let me make one point. There have been a number of of negative ads, either by radio or by mailers, from supporters of my opponent, opponent, a PAC called Improve Mississippi. It is funded by some type of business and a lot of -of out-of-state interest. If you look at the uh, Secretary of State's website, much of their money comes from the American Tort Reform Association. Somewhere in their mind, they have it that I have a preset agenda, that I would be friendly toward trial lawyers because some of them have contributed to my campaign. That is the furthest from the truth. I don't care if it's trial lawyers or business interests or individuals. I have never been bought and never will be bought. I don't think they printed enough money to buy my influence. I'm going to call it like I see it, and that's the way it's going to come. Now, the loser always feels like a lot of times that he hadn't gotten a fair deal and something may have gone awry, but that's simply not the case. There's always losers and there's always winners. So I would ask the voters, first of all, disregard those lies that are being mailed out. Those are nothing more than attack ads meant to steer you away from the true issue. Look at my qualifications, look at my experience, make your own judgment. Don't let some out-of-state interest or some political action committee influence you in any way. And I'll gladly stand on my reputation and on my accomplishments in the past. We want to thank you again for coming on the UTW podcast and for sharing your thoughts and your time. And we want to wish you good luck on the election that will take place again this Tuesday. Everyone, please make sure to get out and vote and educate, educate yourself on the ballot. Please, uh, on the entire ballot, because there's a lot of, I think it's a front end back. Uh, and so, of course, we're looking on specifically for this one will be the District 3, Seat 3 position for the Mississippi Supreme Court, uh, and then make your decision on Tuesday. Thank you again, Judge Lynchard. Thank you very much. I want to say thank you to Judge uh, Percy Lynchard for coming in and visiting with us about the election. Uh, Derek, uh, typically what most people don't see is I have an opportunity, sometimes I'm here with you when somebody, someone comes in for an interview. Very nice gentleman. Really was, and just uh, down to earth, you know, seemed to know his stuff. Again, I, I think he would be a, a, he is a good candidate. I think he would be a good judge if elected. And uh, just looking forward to see what happens on Tuesday. Right. I actually had to borrow his, uh, use his phone and show him how to use the podcast and, and all that kind of stuff. But just a nice uh, gentleman. And, and, again, both uh, Josiah Coleman, Justice Josiah Coleman, the current uh, justice, came on with us last month. And, and again, Judge Percy Lynchard, we appreciate uh, you guys believing in us enough to come in and, uh, and talk with us about uh, your elections, talk with us about your experiences. And, and we thank both of you for your service and so far on the, in the court system. Uh, that interview and, and all of our interviews – are brought to you by The Print House, located at 2462 Church Street, right here in Hernando. The Print House is your one-stop shop for printing services. Whether it's business cards, banners, screen printing for t-shirts, as well as a showroom full of all your vinyl and t-shirt needs, the ladies at The Print House can help. Simply give them a call at 662-298-3105. That's 662-298-3105. Or find them at theprinthousems.com. That's the printhousems.com podcast also brought to you by Williams Services located in Hernando. Williams Services is a veteran-owned and operated business with years of experience in lawn care, landscaping, mulching, and more. Owner Richard Williams and his team can assist you with a multitude of outdoor home needs. Entering this fall season, the leaves are about to start falling. Williams Services specializes in leaf removal, tree trimming, and fall cleanups. Give Richard a call at 662 292-8855 that's 
292-8855 or find them on Facebook at Williams Lawn Services. That's Williams Lawn Services. Uh, happy enough to have another uh, new advertiser on the podcast. Uh, excited about that. So tell us a little bit more about that. Matt, we do have a new sponsor. North Point Christian School is conveniently located in the heart of DeSoto County near the intersection of Getwell and Goodman. For nearly 50 years, the school has been delivering a high quality and affordable private education through its distinctively and unapologetically Christian education. Come see why families in three states, 28 cities, and 41 zip codes have made North Point DeSoto County's largest and most desirable Christ-centered college preparatory school. Mark your calendars because Sunday, November 15th at 2 p.m., North Point will be hosting their first open house of the year. This open house is especially designed for new prospective families with children pre-K-3 and up. School representatives will be on hand to answer your questions about North Point's distinctive approach to school health and safety, as well as our unmatched academic, athletic, and arts offerings. Reserve your spot today by contacting Director of Admissions, Ms. Sheila Sharon, at 662-349-5127. Again, Ms. Sheila Sharon at 662-349-5127. Five one two seven. You know, Derek, we made a joke earlier. I made a joke earlier about uh, taking a look at the ballot. Yesterday, we talked a little bit about the ballot. My wife had an opportunity to go in and vote er- early yesterday, and so she told me a little bit more about it. Two-sided ballot can be a little bit long. So uh, you had a good idea yesterday, Derek, when you mentioned, hey, maybe we print off a sample ballot, kind of run through it real fast, so people know what to expect this coming Tuesday. Again, we don't have to remind most people that uh, election day is coming up, Tuesday, November 3rd. So a big week for our country a big week for our county, definitely North Mississippi with some of the local uh, elections. Derek, so let's move through this pretty quick a little bit. Tell mm-hmm. us more about the uh, the ballot coming up that people are going to see on Tuesday when they when they vote. Hopefully a lot of y'all have already kind of looked at it, been following along what's been going on statewide, obviously nationally. Uh, and then, of course, with the wonderful guests that we've had on the UTW podcast uh, over the last uh, six weeks. But uh, we want to look at the ballot. The ballot will be two-sided this year, so please make sure you turn it over. Uh, when you're in the, the booth to make sure that you get both sides. The first thing we want to look at, basically the entire left side of the front page will be the presidential election. So you've got about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You'll nine. have nine candidates uh, for the president of the United States. You'll have, of course, the, the Democrat and Republican will be the top two. You've got uh, other different parties that are listed, ending with Kanye West uh, and, and Michelle Tid- Tidball as an independent candidate that we have also talked about on the show before. So please look for those on the left side of the ballot. Uh, then when you look to the uh, the right side of the DeSoto County ballot, what you'll see is the first thing you'll see is to the, the our senator that's up for uh, elections on this, t- this time. The Senate seat that's up for election is currently held by Cindy Hyde-Smith. Uh, she has two people running against her, Democrat Mike Espy and then the Libertarian Jimmy Edwards. Again, this will be on the right side of the front page, and you'll need to vote for one of those. Following just below that will be will be the first congressional district. District uh, one is the one that uh, DeSoto County is in, and there's a the choice right now is the incumbent would be Trent Kelly, who is Republican. The Democrat running against him is Antonia Ellison, and so you'll need to obviously pick one of those. Uh, just two candidates for that position. Now again, all this is on the front page. On the front page also should be the race that we just uh, heard one of the candidates from, Judge Percy Lynchard. You'll see the Justice Josiah. Coleman, who is the incumbent for the Mississippi Supreme Court District 3, position 3 or seat 3, going against Judge Percy Lynchard. So again, one of those two candidates, only two. This is for the Northern District, so this will be on our ballot. 
As you turn the page over to the second page, um, this is where it gets confusing. Now, the initiative 65 will be on the back part, should be on the left side of the back of the, the ballot. And on that, please, please educate yourself. Now, we're not going to take time on the show to do that. It's way too in-depth. Uh, there's actually potentially two to three decisions you have to make. And so uh, we don't, and, and again, that's very contentious on all sides. And, and again, this is, uh, we would need a good couple hours to kind of go through all this, to the nuances to each one. But what I do want you to understand is a couple things. It will be long. It will be detailed. They're going to give you basically a couple paragraphs trying to explain each of the initiatives to you. So if you have not educated yourself before Tuesday, please take the time in the booth to read through those and to what each would mean. To me, reading it as I have in the past, it still is a little confusing. Uh, I would probably say closer to decently confusing uh, if you're trying to read it for the first time in the booth. So again, please find the initiatives. Please find some writings uh, from both sides on what it would say before you go in there and vote. Derek, I, Derek, keeping it real simple. Initiative 65, what most people in Mississippi are calling it, it has to do with medical marijuana. Correct. Educate yourself on it. Go look into it. Look at both sides, whatever. Educate yourself on it. Talk to other people, whatever. Just, But that's what that, that's, it's known as kind of the medical marijuana uh, initiative is what it's called. It is. And, and it's important to point that this is actually going to be an amendment to the Constitution. Wow. They're not asking for a bill. They're not asking to, to have a bill passed to, to make a law. They're actually asking for an amendment to the Mississippi Constitution. So if it is enacted, understand it would take a lot to repeal. So if you want to enact it, that's great. Uh, if you don't want it to be part of our Constitution, then you you know this is where you can you know, choose to stop that because, again, it would be a lot harder to take out of a Constitution than to repeal a law. Now, when you go in there and vote, the first question it's going to ask you is whether or not you either approve either 65 or 65A or you're against both. So it's a yes or no. So you're either for one of the two, or you're not for either one of them. You have to make a choice. If you choose uh, against both, that's uh, then you're done. You can go to the next section we'll talk about in just a second. If you choose for the approval of either, then you have to go right below that and then select the one that you want, either 65 or 65A. Again, very confusing. Now, there's a lot of times they do this on purpose to try to throw people out of the way. Please take the next three days to educate yourself to find out which one that you want to vote for. Again, we're not going to give our opinion on here, but we do want to make sure that you understand it will be confusing. And if you have not already absentee voted, to make sure you do that. Matt, any other comments on the 65? No. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't have any more comments. Looking at it, though, Derek, it is a little little tough. So you, you, you probably, if you're listening to our show, you, you want to Google it. Pull this up, take a look at it, read through it several times, educate yourself on it, because standing right there and reading through that on the day of election, my gosh, that could take forever. So so you want to take a look at it. All right, moving to the next one. The next one is uh, the statewide ballot measure two, House concurrent, uh, concurrent resolution number 47. What this says, and I'm going to read it real briefly because it's, it's not very long. It's about one-eighth of what the uh, initiative 65 is. This amendment provides that to be elected governor or to any other statewide office, a candidate must receive a majority of the votes in the general election. If no candidate receives a majority of the votes, then a runoff election shall be held as provided by general law. The requirement of receiving the most votes in a majority of Mississippi House of Representatives district is removed. So basically, this is just taking it to where every, I guess, official statewide office would be popular vote. So there would be nothing where, okay, well, I, you know, I had such and so I'll win this district or I'll win this district. For the, no, everything that's a, a statewide public office becomes a popular vote 
uh, in Mississippi. Governor, attorney general, lieutenant governor, et cetera. Et cetera. Yes. Yeah, statewide election. Statewide not election. A, not a district, not a House of Representative type situation. No, just statewide. Statewide. And again, most of the smaller ones are already popular because you know, it's you know basically if Josiah or Judge Lynchard get either one you know, more than the other, they're going to win. I mean, that's a popular vote. And that's what's saying the same thing. And then, of course, if there is a three way, you know, uh, three candidates and one of them does not get more than 50%, then there would be a runoff between the top two. Got and that's basically what most of it is. There were a couple of cases where this is not it. And this is basically making a law or actually an amendment to the Constitution going forward that, the, that all statewide offices would be popular vote. The last one is one that we've discussed on here, actually, I think two episodes. Uh, it's the Mississippi State flag. Uh, this is this a straight yes or no on whether the following design shall be the official Mississippi State flag. That's it. Yeah, so it's got the magnolia. It's got the stars all around it. Uh, it's got the bottom words, in God we trust. And the bottom, most people, certainly people that have listened to our show, have probably educated themselves on the flag. This is not a vote for multiple flags or multiple designs or anything like that. It is simply saying, please vote yes or no on whether this design should uh, should be the official Mississippi State flag. Uh, that's pretty cut and dry, pretty simple. Look at it. I mean, you can look at it uh, in, in color. You can look at it online. You can do all those type things. You can even scan back in our podcast, and one of our uh, artwork was the new Mississippi State flag that's option. Great. So, uh, again, educate yourself on that. And, um, look, and go out, vote. Most important thing, this coming Tuesday, uh, no matter how you vote, go out there and, and let your voice be heard. Uh, it's something that, that tens of thousands – uh, have died for our right to have this opportunity to go out and, and vote for president, vote for local elections, and cast our ballot. So, again, get out there and do that on Tuesday. Podcast listeners, we're going to do some different things on Tuesday. I'm sorry, we're going to do some different things um, for the show next week. Next week, we will not be doing our typical Tuesday and Friday around noon release. Uh, we've decided to get out of the way on Tuesday and let Election Day uh, speaks for its, speak for itself. I'm pretty sure that we will all, uh, every one of us will be glued to the TV or, or paying attention to uh, national elections or, or different things like that. So what we're planning to do is yesterday morning I had the opportunity to sit down with the mayor of South Haven, Mr. Darren Musselwhite. Uh, I had an opportunity to sit down talk with him about South Haven, DeSoto County, uh, his past, uh, present, and future plans for uh, the city of South Haven. Just a, a solid interview with, with him Another nice gentleman, Derek, you, you've met uh, Mayor Muscle White several times. Just seemed like a very nice guy with a great plan uh, for South Haven. So sat down with him. So we're going we're gonna to have his uh, interview uh, next Monday and pair that with our, our kind of high school Friday night wrap-up show for Monday. We're going to skip the usual Tuesday show. Again, get out of the way, let democracy do its thing on Tuesday, and come back with something a little bit shorter on Wednesday, talk a, lot, uh, a little bit about the local elections, the things that kind of happen on Tuesday, and then we'll have our normal Friday show. So three shows for the Under the Water Tower podcast group uh, next week. And so uh, hopefully it'll be a good time for you to share with others and, and, and talk about what we're listening, talk about what we're doing here on the UTW podcast. And, and I hope you're enjoying the show as much as we're enjoying uh, coming to you. Yes, I'm really looking forward to next week and having those three shows and just being able to hear the interview for Mayor Muscle White to be able to recap on a shorter show on Wednesday, uh, just the local elections and how they went around here. Uh, and then, of course, come back Friday, get back on track. Uh, but I know that uh, – so please enjoy your Tuesdays off. Again, as we reminded you, please get out and vote. The lines will be long. And as you're standing in the lines, I bet you're going to wish you had a fast pass. Speaking of fast pass, the podcast brought to you by Magical Destinations of Hernando. Whether it's that trip to Disney World, Universal Studios, or that tropical getaway, Sue Ellen and Ann Christopher can help you plan the trip of your dreams. They work to get you the best rates with headache-free planning. Magical Destinations is locally owned and operated right here in Hernando. 
Give them a call today to start planning your magical getaway. Contact these ladies at 662-469-6304. That's 662-469-6304. Or check them out on Facebook and Instagram at Magical Destinations Unlimited. That's Magical Destinations Unlimited on Facebook and Instagram. It's that time of the week where we turn to sports, preview the games for tonight. We have a shorter, I guess, a shorter amount of games to cover, both, I guess, fortunately for one team, unfortunately for another. The first being, uh, fortunately, I guess, for North Point. Um, I mean, you hate to say fortunately, but it, it is for them. They were supposed to play Harding, the Harding Lions. They would have won that game. They would have been in the playoffs. Well, Harding had to forfeit. Harding, got unfortunately, had the, the coronavirus kind of affected the team, had to forfeit. And so North Point, I guess, uh, benefiting off that forfeit, does make the playoffs. Uh, they will start the playoffs next week, and it's just a matter to see where they would be seated based on what happens with the other games tonight. Yeah, and, and so I figured we'd kind of start off with that, Derek. Go ahead and talk about the both private school teams that we cover uh, will not be in action tonight. But if, if you're Harding, Harding had lost every game, correct? Uh, they actually had a forfeit win against – But in on the field, they oh, were no, not no, doing no, well. No, they beat FACS. Which I've seen FACS play. I, FACS. I guess I'm simply saying is if you're the coach of Harding and, and, and oh. the principal comes to you and says, hey, uh, you've had a COVID, uh, positive COVID test, uh, it made it pretty easy to say, oh, let's go ahead and move on to basketball. Well, <laughs> I, don't wish it, I don't wish anything on anybody. That, that but, I cannot confirm or deny, sure. but I mean, again, it, it does. You know, I, I think I would have liked to see it play on the field. I think it would have gotten a lot of the some of the younger kids, uh, North Point team, maybe a chance to play. Unfortunately for them, it did not happen. But fortunately for the team, they are moving on to next week, and we'll uh, announce their their team on our new Monday show. Right, exactly. So we'll go ahead and um, again the private school, both private schools. We again one more before we move on. Shout out to Magnolia Heights. Just a very uh, sad situation. Uh, maybe we jinxed it a little bit last week. We mentioned that they were our only team that was not affected by the coronavirus. And uh, Magnolia Heights it was forced to cancel or forfeit their playoff game. Um, so Magnolia Heights, uh, young men, just a, a great season. Six and four on the season. Uh, played hard, we know. And uh, congratulations on that winning record. But, uh, again, heartbreaks for you to, to not be able to play in the playoffs and, and sell it on the field. That's right. I and mean, that's the main thing is just uh, you if, if you – Come against a better team, they beat you, they beat you, and you you know did what you could, and you just ran into a team that you know hey you know, that's that's the way you want to see it in. But having it end this way on a forfeit, you know, with the majority of the team unaffected, sure, maybe you know it's just that's a sad deal. It is, it is. So a shout out to you guys, and and uh, we we've enjoyed uh, visiting, talking about the Chiefs, uh, and again we cover Magnolia Heights or mention Magnolia Heights because of the number of DeSoto County kids that go down there. Uh, typically, the Under the Water Tower podcast is a DeSoto County show, so that's uh, kind of what we focus on. So, let's talk about tonight, Derek. Just a massive game under the water tower. The Oxford Chargers, probably the class of 6A in North Mississippi, travels to Hernando. Hernando has a record of 5-3 and three on the season, 4-1 and one in district. Oxford brings their 7-0 and undefeated record under the water tower tonight right here at Jenkins Field. Field, uh, and we'll see what happens. Guys, i got to tell you, um, thoroughly enjoyed the Hernando Tigers last week. Went to the uh, on the road uh, down in Horn Lake and enjoyed that game. Hernando's, they've benefited by a couple of coronavirus forfeits, uh, so they're 5-3. and three. Look, i just got to be honest with you. I know we go through and we pick our games. I'm actually uh, – Hernando's actually has a winning record when I pick against them. Mm-hmm. So this is maybe what we're doing around – we're going here. <laughs> uh, but i got to tell you, Oxford Chargers, uh, you and I know people on the staff. They're a good football team. I think Oxford wins tonight. I agree. I mean, it, you know, Oxford still got the, this rolling through the season. Came off a thirty-nine nothing victory over Olive Branch last week. Hernando just a heartbreaking loss. Uh, had a real chance to be playing this game with two undefeated, you know, district teams, 
and just in, you know what in the cards and, and you know and they'll be fired up ready to play they'll be have something to prove I know that the fans will come out tonight show up I know they've got some motivation maybe a you know some kind of a they'll have a, a I guess a motto that they're using tonight to try to upset Oxford and that's what you're supposed to do uh, but I, I, I agree I think Oxford comes in with too much firepower their defense is playing fantastic the last couple of games and I think the Chargers win also. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'll be there with, with my son and daughter uh, tonight for the for the big game, and uh, you know, be pulling as hard as I can for Hernando and and, and a little bit Derek. Uh, looking forward to seeing Oxford. Yeah, potential state champions there. All right, so we go far east of Desoto County. Another forfeit. Uh, Center Hill on their second week of forfeits. Uh, they're they're. Football team, football program, quarantine for two weeks. So they uh, Center Hill was rolling towards the playoffs, had a good record, and then they've had to, the last two games they're having to forfeit. So you know, shout out to those young men again. Keep your head up, keep prepared for. I believe next week when you'll probably finish the season with one more game. I believe they have, and uh, wish them luck. And we'll cover that again uh, next week, of course. Moving a little further west, what's become a, a heck of a rivalry, Derek Lewisburg at Olive Branch. Lewisburg Patriots, 3-6 and six on the season, 0-5 in district, travel to Olive Branch, 4-4 four and four on the season, 0-4 in district. So uh, Olive Branch started out 4-0 on the season, and uh, they've, uh, they've, they've been bad <laughs> the last four, four weeks, uh, coming off a, a, a brutal loss to Oxford, 39 to nothing. Uh, Derek, i got to be honest with you, I, I feel like the, uh, the Conquistadors are more than likely going to be the better team tonight. I think hosting the game is going to be a big deal. Uh, Lewisburg at Olive Branch, and I'm going to pick the Olive Branch Conquistadors to get out of the uh, winless column in district. Yeah, this, this game, as you said, it's kind of a recent rivalry. Uh, this is the only the fourth meeting between them, uh, but obviously they're in the same city, basically. Yeah, so the, first meeting, in the fourth meeting between them, they both were in 5A last year, Matt. And now they're both in 6A. So they both moved up from 5A to 6A this year. Uh, that's why I had the, the 6A, I guess, division has expanded in our county. In a football contest, the Conquistadors have a winning record against all other DeSoto County school teams. And they're, they're current, you know, as I said, this is their fourth time. Olive Branch right now 3-0 and versus Lewisburg overall. And then the, uh, with the closest game being a 12-0 victory by Olive Branch last year. Uh, I do think both these are both teams that like to run the ball. Uh, not a lot of air attack in either one of these teams. Of course, especially for Olive Branch, they do nothing but run the ball. Uh, and I do think that they control the clock. I think they pound it. I think they run, you know, I'm not saying they run the score up, but they are able to control it. And I see probably a two-score uh, victory for the Conquistadors over the Patriots. Yeah, Derek, you and I played football. Uh, I, I would always circle games where – you can kind of tell, hey, we're more a little more evenly matched and kind of feel like Olive Branch should get the win tonight. Lewisburg, 3-6 and six on the season, have really slowed down over the last uh, several weeks. I think Olive Branch gets it done. I, I won't necessarily say too big, but Olive Branch has a running team, and, and a lot of times that controls the clock. A lot of people probably be at Slim Chickens after the game because it'll be over pretty quick Oh yeah, because they run the ball. They both run the ball. Both, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. This game might be over by 8.30, so uh, you know, get, off, get, yeah, get out of Slim Chickens or Chick-fil-A or whatever. Uh, next up, right up the street, again, D.C. taking their 2-6 and six record. D.C. Uh, was the victim of the coronavirus quarantine. Uh, so two of their losses are, are from the, uh, the coronavirus forfeits. So 2-6 and six D.C. travels to South Haven, just uh, right over there off state line or right over there off 55. 4-4 uh, four and four on the season, the Chargers are. 2-3 and three in district. Uh, South Haven's become a pretty good football team. They're, they're middle of the they're 500 record. But, uh, again, they had some quarantine issues as well, some losses there. Uh, could easily be 5-2, five 5-3, and five and, uh, you know, maybe 5-3, and 6-2 possible in the season. South Haven's playing really good football right now. D.C. 
getting back into the, the, the groove coming off quarantine. You know, Derek, I'm going to pick D.C. to beat South Haven tonight. Oh, A little bit of an upset. I like that. It's okay. a little bit of an upset. Uh, okay. You know, shout out to Mayor Musselwhite, who I had an opportunity to interview yesterday again. Uh, Middle Sun plays. And so, um, yeah, I'm going to go with D.C. to beat South Haven. I know Mayor Musselwhite will be there, of course, uh, being the mayor for both schools. So uh, I'm going to pick D.C. to beat South Haven tonight in a bit of a shocker. I'm going to go against you. I'm going Chargers. Uh, I like Hipworth, the quarterback. Of course, we know about the Brevard and other receivers. You know, they've been impressing me that they, they to date, the closest game against Oxford, 31-28 loss that they basically had and just, you know, just couldn't pull it in the fourth quarter. Uh, I, you know, D.C. has played. They played Tupelo tough last week, 21-14 loss. Tupelo is playing good ball right now, so I think D.C., is a good team. I think this is probably this or the next one we'll talk about. Will probably one of the two closest games of the night, uh, in my opinion. Uh, I, but I do think that South Haven comes up that they have a little more firepower. 21-17, 28-24 type victory, but I do see the Chargers winning. Yeah, so DC, uh, you're picking Chargers. I'm picking the Jaguars to win it uh, tonight. Uh, next game, Horn Lake at Tupelo. Horn Lake coming in, uh, ride, you know, riding a one four of the last five. Four and one district record, four and three on the season. Again, beat Hernando last week, 16-14 on you know, kind of a fumbled snap, the high snap type situation to earn a safety, and then just ran the clock out, ran the ball, uh, and benefited from a couple of different plays. But uh, still, a win's a win. Travel to Tupelo. Tupelo uh, started out one and three. They've rattled off four straight wins. Tupelo is playing hard. Tupelo is playing the, the way Tupelo should play. And uh, Tupelo is kind of in the process, of possibly of setting up a district champion, uh, championship battle for next week against Oxford if they can win. I am taking the Golden Way tonight, though. I watched Horn Lake play last week. Uh, Tupelo, uh, to me, seems to be the better team. I was not necessarily impressed with Horn Lake last week, but I'm going to take the Tupelo Golden Wave to uh, to win on the blue turf. Again, this is the other game that's going to be, I think, going to be close. Uh, again, the the two that we're talking about right now. I would love to think that the Hernando Oxford game will be close. But if I'm being honest with myself, I'm thinking that these are the two games we're looking at. Horn Lake, you know, as you said, had a tough victory. Has not played their best ball the last two weeks. Um, they, they struggled against uh, – of course, they, they lost to Oxford, struggled against Hernando. You know, Tupelo has, has been going – now, they, they did have a close game against DeSoto Central, 21-14 win. Uh, Horn Lake, though, going to Tupelo – I'll pick the goal. I'll go with the Golden Wave also. If if this was at Horn Lake's house, I'd probably I may lean a little bit that direction, but because of the home field advantage, I'm gonna say Tupelo wins. Yeah, I'm gonna take Tupelo uh, to beat Horn Lake. Home field advantage on that one, and uh, you know, good luck to Horn Lake. Of course, we, we're a Desoto County podcast, so we we pull for the Desoto County team, but at the same time, we we definitely need to be uh, kind of realistic with ourselves. There, we watch a lot of football, and I think Tupelo is gonna be the better team tonight. Last game on the slate: Lake Comrant Gators murder. Travels to Saltillo. I hadn't even gotten there yet. Hang on a second. <laughs> Lake Comrade Gators at Saltillo. Saltillo is a bad football team. I don't think we have a lot of listeners in Saltillo, so I don't mind saying this, but Saltillo is a bad football game. One and six on the record. I'm sorry, one and six on the season. One and four in district. They're just flat out bad, and the, the Gators are going to mash them. The one was given to them last week by Center Hill, who could not take the field. Correct. If they would have taken the field, it would be 0 and 7, 0 exactly. and 5. Yeah. So this is again murder. Yeah, Gators. just a bad. I, it wouldn't surprise me if we see Lake Comrade in the high forties, Saltillo uh, barely touching the teens, if that. So again, Gators over the, over the um, Saltillo Tigers. Tigers. Okay, gotcha. So we're picking Oxford over Hernando. Center Hills not playing. Lewisburg at Olive Branch taking the Conquistadors. DeSoto Central travels to South Haven. I took the Jags. Derek took the Chargers. We'll see how that goes. Horn Lake at Tupelo. Both of us took the Golden Wave to to stay riding high there. Again, setting up Tupelo and Oxford uh, for a big battle next week when potentially could be the district title uh, coming up. And that's amazing for Tupelo, though, because – 
the struggles they had to start and then to, to move into the possibility of beating Oxford for the district championship would be pretty pretty big going in the playoffs. And then Lake Comrant at Saltillo, just an absolute beatdown. This one may hit – they may hit triple digits. I don't mm-hmm. know. I say that, but Lake Comrant's <laughs> offense is not – no, They're, they're going to run the ball. They're going to control yeah. the clock. You know, once it gets up 35, it's running clock anyway. That's it, so. yeah. No. But, again, Derek – Coming up on our Friday show, the most important thing that we do on Friday is not talk about football, what happens on the field. It's about what would happen in a cage match. Two men enter, one man leave. We're going to take the Lewisburg Patriots against the Olive Branch Conquistadors. Okay, so if you're picturing a Patriot, you're picturing – are we going Mel Gibson, Patriot? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, so we're yeah. picturing Mel Gibson, Patriot. That's who we're talking about. And then we had the Conquistadors. Uh, I guess the most famous Conquistador that we all know about around here is going to be Hernando de Soto. The Cortez, or yeah. either one. Cortez, yeah. So you got the iron hat, you got a lot of armor, mm-hmm. that type stuff. Probably not very good with a map, though. Didn't they do a lot of wandering? But, well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> there, was, there was a lot of ocean. Not, not a lot Rivers. of about the New World. Yeah. So yeah, they 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 probably didn't have the they couldn't pull out their GPS. Sure. Didn't have the the Google Maps to to get them across the Mississippi River. But right. No. Yeah, a bit of a bit of a struggle from a map standpoint. But when it comes to a battle, though, I mean, this is a pretty tough one. This, this is one. This, this is, this is, this is I'm, I'm struggling here because first of all, we have two humans, so that's yeah, good. That, there you that's go. Two for the first humans. time in a while. Yeah. Both of them are armed. Similar now, obviously, the Conquistador has copper, bronze plated, you know, armor. Right. Uh, whereas the Patriots just coming at you, just full bore. Both have a gun, so if you like, if you get a like, let's say you have you're pretty separated in the cage, one shot at each other. If you miss, you're kind of screwed with yeah. the other guy. I mean, uh, Conquistadors, they're, they're pushing, they're pushing gunpowder. They've got it, but it's it's. I would say the even though the Patriots muskets are bad, I would say that they at least had another 100, 150 years worth of I guess technology on it. So yeah, I mean it's man, this is a good one. It's okay. a really good one. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm really. I mean, if, if we're going, if we're going bare bones, I'm gonna have to probably go like you know, if, all right, throw the weapons down. If we're going bayonet, bayonet. I would probably say the Patriot. Yeah. Um, if we're gonna would. go full armor, full weapons at our disposal, Conquistador probably. You know, because a lot of the Patriots, they didn't, they were farmers. You know, and I would probably go Conquistador if we're use, actually using the weapons. Overall, I'm going to go, based on how I feel about the game, I'm going to say Conquistador wins the mascot battle royale. <laughs> so we're going to pick the Conquistadors over the Patriots. We're, we're getting a little bit late in the season, Derek, so we're starting to, we've already done all well, so like, I mean, Since we only have Tigers and Chargers to choose from, maybe a couple of Mustangs, it literally is the same battle every week. And so we, real we quick, need some more non-conference, out-of-conference people true. coming in to play these very teams. Very true, yes. yes. Yeah. The, the, the 2021 season may be a bit different, but uh, Mayor Musselwhite and I yesterday actually discussed the Chargers. So that's a little teaser right there uh for our interview uh, actually yeah well i mean he is the mayor i mean so i kind of said hey man what's going on with all this charger because he played at south haven he was a south haven uh he was a star quarterback at south haven i'm sure they played grenada Chargers. exactly so that's what we kind of talked about and he did kind of get a kick out of that and once once he started to realize how many teams were chargers you know exactly a lot of chargers but anyway so uh look good luck to the guys this uh this friday night oxford at hernando i'll be there tonight looking forward to if you hear our voice please consider coming out to support these young men in our last home game uh, they'll be traveling to Olive Branch next week, uh, but this will be the last game, so I would assume some type – well, they've already done some senior night stuff, but definitely a way to send off uh, you know, players like Reed Flanagan and some of those uh, young men. who And, and also, I mean, look, Hernando's battling for a playoff spot. Exactly. I sure. mean, you've got, we're looking at the board right now. We've got one at 5-0. and oh. We've got three at four and one. Now, two of those play each other. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is, you know, this, this is battling for playoff position. Well, actually, first of all, battling to make the playoffs. Correct. And then also battling for playoff position. So, all these, you know – I'm looking at what two of these, those two games right there, key games. You've got the top four teams playing each other tonight. 
Absolutely. And it's going to be a great game. Thoroughly looking forward to it. Like I said, come out and support the seniors and, and send those kids off. Uh, hopefully winners. Uh, send them off with your support, and, and we'll, I'll definitely be there with my family uh, tonight. So, uh, again, shout out to Magnolia Heights uh, regarding the cancellation of your playoffs. Uh, keep your heads up. I know that it kind of turns over to basketball and, and, and kind of life moves on. But uh, young men, especially the seniors, uh, they gave everything they had to, to Magnolia Heights for years. And Tough to see it in this way, but uh, and then we'll we'll update on Monday all the scores, and then certainly talk to you about North Point's playoff opponent positioning. Mm-hmm. positioning. Could be a very interesting story to tease right there, Derek. Could uh, be. I can't well, wait. You, keep your fingers crossed. Yeah, you told me a little bit off air, but it might be. It, it, it's it's worth listening to next Monday regarding this, uh, and certainly you know Mayor Muscle White's interview. So, Derek, if that's about everything you got, I'm sorry, Alexander Hamilton. Anything else? No, Michael, there's not. Um, <laughs> I'm just again looking forward. I'm going to put my mask Halloween back weekend. on. Yeah. Put your mask back on. Well, if that's that's it. I'm Matt. And I'm Derek. Join us next time under the water tower.